So the other week, our Lord of Sports Illustrated, Joshua Briscoe, posted about this mutant football league. And I've been, as you have, absolutely fiending for football recently. It's just, you know, there's nothing else. There's nothing going on. There's nothing. So anyway, so I bought it. And, dude, this game is hilarious. There are some rule changes that I want to talk about, but then also the naming of all the players is fantastic. So, okay, let me, let me set the stage first. It is NFL teams skinned as uh, mutants and goblins and ghouls and, and that sort of thing. So, okay, like, little green the, ghouls, buddy. Exactly, little green ghouls. So the Kansas City Chiefs are the Carcass City Creeps. Okay, and sure. There are, you know, every, every team in the NFL has got uh, one of these teams, but I thought the uh, roster of the Chiefs was awesome. So they go through and they take the actual, this is the 2019 roster, and they just they tweak them. So um, some of them work a lot better than others, but it's like Hattrick, my homies, and his backup quarterbacks are Chad Pennywise and Splat Gore instead of Matt Moore and Chad Henney. Okay. And then uh, uh, the running backs are Damon, D-A-E-M-O-N, Killiams, and, of course, his <laughs> little brother, Farrell Killiams. Okay, sure. And Darwin Wompson, W-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, <laughs> which I, I liked. And then, of course, fullback Ramphony Vermin. Sure. <laughs> like Hans Vermhat. And then the wide receiver room was Ty Freak Thrill, which is one of the best ones on the roster for sure. And his partner in crime is Whammy Swatkins <laughs> and Recoil Charred Man. <laughs> so they uh, they went nuts with those. Uh, Ravage Belchy is, of course, star tight end. Bomo Passbegone. Uh, <laughs> Goris Slayborn. Basham Bleedland. Tyrant Rathspew. That's pretty good. Manuel Gordonson. So anyways, so I got a big laugh out of the out of the names, and they did that for every NFL franchise. So whoever was doing this just smoked a Hi. bunch of pot. And then, yeah, yeah. And How much of the game's development do you think was just like going through and coming 90%. up with these, these <laughs> terrible but player It plays names. like NFL Blitz. It's got, you know, after the play, you can bash on people and you can kill people. And so when you kill them, you rip them apart, and then they're just done. They don't, they don't come back in that game, and you got to bring them back a bit. So you literally, if you play long enough quarters, you can have – all 53 players have to play and then if you get them down to 21 active players or below they have to forfeit the game so there's a lot of killing that goes on the stadiums have like pits that you can fall into and buzz saws and lightning bolts and uh there's cheat plays so you can put spikes on the ball and throw it right through a defender and kill the defender and pay the refs off you pay the refs to call a flag on the next turnover or touchdown that goes against you which is extremely frustrating and uh, there's also the kicks are three points for a 30 yard field goal or in four points for a 40 yard field goal. And five mm, now for see, a that's a good idea. Goal. Yes. It's a great idea. And I think the NFL, if there was one thing to take away from mutant football league, that's it. Other than of course, letting players kill each other. But uh, it's been fun. I played a whole franchise mode already and won the Gore bowl or whatever it was called the mayhem bowl. I think, yeah, mayhem bowl. So that's what I've been doing with all of my free time. So I, like you, have also been hungering for football, but what you're describing sounds a little bit like the classic Games Workshop tabletop game Blood Bowl insofar as you pay off the refs, you kill each other, it involves fantasy creatures, goblins, ghouls, Mm -hmm. vampires, halflings, etc. However, the key difference is that Blood Bowl unlike mutant football league was actually written. It was created in the late eighties and it was created by games workshop as a British company. So it was created by these British guys in the late eighties. So before the internet. And so the game is sort of like it's, it's tabletop to be football. It is a tabletop game. There's there, there are now, you know, um, electronic versions of it, but it is like, I mean, just imagine what, you know, what it would have been like trying to decipher American football (laughs) from across the pond without the internet internet in 1988 (laughs) or whenever they originally came out with the rules of the game. So what it actually ends up being is like, there's, there certainly are some football elements and 
the ball is shaped like an American football, but it's really That's ends up it being, gets, yeah. it really ends up being more like uh it's like a combination of football, rugby and soccer, but played with fantasy creatures. And it does have, you know, a lot of the same elements. Like you can, you can knock people out and mm-hmm. make them forfeit. You can kill people, you know, you got all your different, you know, special abilities and everything like that. Now it does not have, as far as I'm aware, like, obstacles on the field except that so the way the the game is designed every time you do anything with the ball like if you move or actually i even think like if you move without the ball even Mm -hmm. um if you if you basically if like if you screw up like if you try to run by somebody and you get tripped like that ends your turn and also if you like move and you fuck up you lose the ball you like Basically, fumbling is set like it'd be like if you played Madden and the fumbling slider was like all the way up. If people can't like literally you'll be running and you'll like try to run an extra space and you have to roll a six sided dice, a D6 to see if you can move an extra space. And I guarantee you every single time you roll a one, if you roll a one, you trip, you just trip over your own feet and lose. You fall flat in front of the end zone. You know, you're one space away. You lose the football. Your turn is over. And then inevitably, you know, the AI or whoever you're playing against, you know, they get the ball, they run it back the other way. <laughs> it's very frustrating, which is why even though we're hungry for football, I, I, I have no desire to go back. But you put me through this for maybe another month. Uh, hmm, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you who has a desire to never go back, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders to Arrowhead Stadium. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 15 of It's Always Sunny in Chief's Kingdom. As Taylor alluded to, that's what we call a tease in the biz. We're bringing it back around. We are talking Chiefs Raiders this week, week 13. We also do have a little bit of news to discuss, not a whole lot, but the NFL is voting on Thursday on some proposed rule changes, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we have, we do have a reader question that will pop in there as well. And then we have a discussion uh, prompted by our friends at Pro Football Focus about, uh, we'll call it, we'll call it Frank and QB. I, I don't know what Frank we'll call Pat. this. We'll, we'll, yeah, Frank and Pat. It, it, we'll, we'll talk about Pat Mahomes. We'll, we'll, we'll take them apart. We'll stick them back together. It'll be fun. But Taylor, first, you wanted to uh, congratulate our trivia winner. I did. Last week, we asked, first of all, the artist chief Corey O'Four gave away this wonderful, wonderful print of Pat Mahomes. And he graciously reached out to Austin and I and said, why don't you give this away a little something to, you know, get some juice in the show. We loved it. And so uh, we asked the question last week of who in chief's history shares a first name with an always sunny main character and has won the most number of games as a chief. And, Jesse Williams at 90s Chiefs was the first one to get in correctly that it was indeed Frank Zombo, who, uh, you know, you don't necessarily think of as an all-time winner, but when you boil it down to having to have an Always Sunny name, boom, there's Frank. So congratulations to Jesse Williams. I saw he posted that he already received his print from Corey. Thank you to Corey very much. We appreciate that. And uh, that was our inaugural trivia giveaway. Yeah, huge shout out to Corey. And uh, if you're listening to this and you want us to like give away your art or promote your business or whatever it is, you know, we're, we're a community podcast. We're, uh, but we're happy to give exposure to people where we can. And we're, we're uh, very thankful to Corey, obviously, for giving us the opportunity to give away his awesome artwork. So with that, Taylor, let's take a trip back to week 13, Arrowhead Stadium, December 1st. 2019, a date which will live for the Raiders in infamy. Our last game between the Oakland Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, and what a send-off we gave them. (laughs) It was, uh, you know, it was one of those games that uh, the Raiders had come in getting shellacked by the Jets the week before, 
and the Chiefs came in coming off of a bye. So <laughs> it was uh, not exactly even ground there as far as preparation goes. Um, the Raiders, though, they come in six and five, and the Chiefs come in seven and four. So there was some incentive by both teams to, you know, I mean, to close the gap by the Raiders or to extend the gap by the Chiefs. And uh, the Chiefs did quite a bit of extending in this game. Yeah, they certainly did. They they did the S for separate entirely. I I do want to talk before we get into the game. I I we talked about that. We alluded to this a little bit when we were talking about the Chargers last week, which is the last game that we recapped before the bye um, in the 2019 season. But it seems like every year, you know, the Chiefs kind of go through their little midseason swoon. This year, it happened to coincide with the fact that our quarterback dislocated his kneecap but there's always that there's always that that sneaky little afc west team that's like you know late november early december they're like we're only one or two games back like if we just beat the chiefs this week you know we're in it we're we're tied for the lead in the afc west now the raiders they were six and four so they 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 were feeling a little bit frisky they started off uh, three and four. They were three and four after week eight. Then they beat the Lions, the Chargers, and the Bengals three weeks in a row. Now, those are not the highest quality teams. <laughs> not. You know, maybe the uh, Raiders were a little bit of a paper tiger. You mentioned that they went to the New York Jets. And they lost that game 34 to three. And then they came to Arrowhead. And this game, unfortunately for the Raiders, was even uglier somehow than their 34 to three loss to the New York jets. They lost again by 31 points, 40 to nine. And this was a weird game. The chiefs didn't, they would chiefs only had uh, 259 total yards, not a mm-hmm. whole lot of offense, but they just didn't need it in this game. No, they didn't. They, uh, the Raiders did a lot of work for them there with three turnovers that obviously, um, helps a tremendous amount. Uh, but really it was just kind of, it was so apparent that one of these teams was about to go in the Super Bowl and the other one was about to finish below 500. Like it yep. was just such a mismatch and you know, it starts off car throws a pretty bad pick to the honey badger and you know, things are, things are looking good. Pat gets a, has an awesome, will dump off touchdown. Didn't do a lot, had 175 yards passing and a touchdown. But like you said, he didn't really need it. It was just kind of, they were kind of toying with the Raiders like a cat would with a mouse. Like it was just, they they just were so on different levels and it was so obvious all game. Yeah. I mean, the, the Raiders, obviously the, the turnovers, they really had nothing going in this game. Now the chiefs had, I mentioned only 259 total yards. The Raiders only had 332 total yards in this game. And a lot of that came in extreme garbage time. I mean, like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like they were moving the ball up and down the field. And then, you know, they're throwing picks in the red zone. Like they were, they were pretty much bumbling all around the field and giving the chiefs opportunities to score. And the chiefs really blew this game open in the second quarter, you know, really we were midway through the second quarter and it was seven to nothing. Chiefs were kind of clinging to a lead. Pat almost threw, he threw what should have been an interception. Just say what could have been an interception. It was dropped, but then the, the chiefs ended up uh, finishing out that drive strong. They ended up, you know, getting Pat rushing in for a touchdown again, showing off the wheels. And then the chiefs give the ball back. Now they're up 14 to nothing with, you know, six minutes left in the sec or in the second quarter and Juan Thornhill with a 46 yard pick six, his first NFL touchdown. Suddenly it's 21 to nothing. And then on the first drive of the second half, the chiefs go down, Butker kicks a 50 yard field goal in less than ideal conditions. Chiefs are up 24 to nothing. And then the chiefs score again and it's 31 to nothing. Yeah. And then we let the Raiders get a field goal with, you know, to open the fourth quarter, open their scoring a 34 yard field goal. This game just was never close. I mean, the, the chiefs defense played great throughout this game and the chiefs offense. I mean, you know, they, they have a lot of short fields. The chiefs did go for a fourth down early in this game Mm -hmm. after a turnover. And we're not able to convert that. They basically ran it up the middle twice on third and short and then on fourth and one. And you know, the Raiders to their credit, they, they were able to sniff that out and get a stop. It just didn't, 
it just didn't matter. Uh, no. The Chiefs also had a, a, a good early fourth down stop in this game, which helped too, because, you know, that doesn't show up in the box score as a turnover, but that essentially is what it is. That Trevor Davis turn, rush on the little, they, they tried to get cute with it and oh, it hand, handed play. off on an end around and the Chiefs were just all over it. Almost like they spent the whole bye week, you know, studying up on the Raiders. I you mean, know, that was, play is instructive too, because like I was just listening to, if you haven't had the chance, the Chiefs uh, made their coordinators available this week. And um, Steve Spagnolo sat down with Mitch Holtis and uh, on, on his podcast, Defending the Kingdom. And Mitch made a point kind of calling out how good the Chiefs tackling was all year. And like, this was a good open space, you know, read it all the way, but still had to make a tackle in open space to, to stop him short of the sticks and turn it over on downs. And it's a play that literally, I don't think we saw a single time in 2018. Yeah, and we saw point. over and over in 2019, the Chiefs just had the ability to make tackles. And our tackling was just so much better. And that alone, I mean, like, you know, the scheme obviously was better and and more complicated, you know, more deception, more blitzes, you know, different packages and things like that. Yeah. But really, at the end of the day, the execution was just so much better. And the execution on that play was flawless. It was beautiful. Yeah, it reminded me of the Dan Sorensen stop against the the Texans. It where, did, absolutely. You know, it was a, it was a lateral play and – so many times, especially over these last several years, uh, we've seen Chiefs defenders get dusted on lateral tackles. And they just – they were able to keep the speed and and sure tackling, you know, grabbing someone and when you make contact with them, actually bringing them down. And you can just tell that as soon as Bags got here, there, there was a different mindset on defense. It was just different. I, I don't know what – I have – you know, nothing personal against Bob Sutton or whatever, but clearly he didn't get the same out of these same guys that Spags can. And, sure. um, you know, to your point about the Raiders not getting yards until garbage time, here are their first six drive summaries. 20 yards and a pick, 47 yards and a punt, 33 yards and fourth down stop, 14 yards and a pick, 50 yards, and the most hilarious missed field goal of the season <laughs> by anyone, an absolute shank, probably 30 yards left. I mean, just when I watched this, when I watched the highlights from this game in preparation uh -huh. for our podcast, I was kind of like, I was just watching it on my phone. I wasn't paying super close attention. And I was certain that it had been blocked. I was yeah. like, there's, there's no way <laughs> that he missed it that badly. But in fact, that is what happened. So not to brag on my memory, but when I queued up the highlights to this game, the first thing I thought was, I can't <laughs> wait to see this miss Dan Carlson field goal because I just, belly laugh during the game I mean clearly it was a blowout by that point so it wasn't even important for anyone so it was just comedy I mean but boy I mean that guy missed that and then of course you know that was a 44 yarder that he misses 44 yards to the left and then Butker comes in in that same you know those same conditions and everything and just nails a 50 yarder on of course. the Chiefs next possession because he is amazing um this had this had some good stuff in it um the Raiders, they they fumbled a kickoff um, where the Chiefs kicked off, and then the Raiders kind of like just bumped into someone and dropped the ball on the ground. And then the, the broadcast immediately cut to John Gruden after that fumble when they were already <laughs> down 14 nothing, and he just gave the Chiefs the ball in, you know, plus territory. And his face was just mm, – mm. It was delicious. The to, to finish your point, there was the missed field goal, and then the very next drive after that, the Raiders went – eight yards on five mm -hmm. plays and punted the ball. Yeah. And then finally beginning with six fifty one left in the third quarter, they decided to start scoring. They started a drive with six fifty one left. They, they took six fifty five off the clock down 31 to nothing. Yeah. And went 60 yards in <laughs> seven minutes and kicked the field goal. Uh, and then with five, five twenty-four <laughs> left in the game, they took four forty-five off the clock and went seventy-five yards and got a touchdown. So And then I, the Chiefs, I mean, of course, blocked the extra point and ran it back. Yeah. I mean, it just <laughs> it, it's a it's a hilarious game. This was very funny, and we were looking forward to recapping this because you and I both were involved with some Raiders fans a couple of weeks ago on Twitter who were making 
the ludicrous claim that like the refs in this game <laughs> cost that, that's, the Raiders. That's, that's what cost the Raiders the game. Now, now the chiefs had zero penalties mm-hmm. uh, accepted in this game for zero mm-hmm. yards. I do believe there was maybe one offsetting penalty in there, but the ultimate result was that the chiefs had zero penalties for zero yards and the Raiders had 12 penalties for 99 yards. Mm-hmm. And the thesis of these Raider fans was this was just a totally unfair matchup. Like, who knows what would have happened? It's like the Lucas, <laughs> famous Lucas Duda quote. Who knows uh, what would have happened if we hadn't, you know, if, if they had called some penalties evenly. You yeah. Know, who knows what would have happened? Who, who knows how this game would have gone? Bro, you were down 31 nothing. You know, like this game. <laughs> you gave was, the ball over. You turned the ball over three times. This game was over. It was mm-hmm. over. It was over at halftime. I mean, the Chiefs are up 21 and nothing at half at Arrowhead. Yeah. I, I just want to – we've roasted Derek Carr before, but I want to I revisit very briefly Derek Carr's numbers against the Chiefs because they are – and keep bear in mind, all of this prior to this year was against Bob Sutton. Yeah. Okay? Derek Carr in his career against the Chiefs is 2-10. and 10. Woof with a 59.5 completion percentage <laughs> in the modern NFL. I mean, that is John Elway esque. There's Ooh, our John Elway reference there it is. episode. Count it. Playing bingo. That's cross right. it off. That's right. Cross it off. Austin. This is John Elway. 59.5%. Uh, 15 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. Bear in yes. mind, again, this is against Bob Sutton and bear in mind, this is over a 12 game sample, 12 games, 15 touchdowns. 13 picks. That's a quarterback rating of 74.6. He's also taken 32 sacks Oof. in 12 games. Oof. Just, it's appalling. It's appalling. Uh, he is just absolutely awful against the Chiefs. He is, and, and that's absolutely because he's awful, awful against everyone. Game. Of course, we would be, you know, we, 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 I know we've talked about this before on the podcast, but every time I think about Derek Carr at Arrowhead, I think about week 17, <laughs> 2018. Of course. We went, we went out to the stadium to watch Pat throw 50 and 5,000, mm. and he got it. But the funniest part of that game was when <laughs> Derek Carr threw the ball to Jared suppo- Cook. It was supposed to be Jared Cook. Yeah. And it just went to Daniel Sorensen, who took it the other way. Now, but why did it go to Daniel Sorensen? Yeah, I mean, because Jared, Jared Cook didn't do anything on the play. He like took two steps forward, yeah. kind of walked. It was like he thought the play was blown dead or yeah. something. And Carr, for some reason, just threw it in that direction anyway. And Dan Sorensen was like, thank you. And yeah, just took thank off. you. So two straight, this was the second of two games in a row at Arrowhead that Derek Carr threw a pick six. And just, Carr looked terrible. I Just watching the highlights in this game, there were several – where he just gave up on the play within like a half second of the snap. Oh, I know. Like it was just immediate. He would either throw it deep and towards no one or spike it into the ground. And the guy just gives up way too often. We'll talk about this a little bit later when we're talking about, you know, the, the, the Franken Pat and all that thing. But <laughs> this is part of, this is partly a function of just not having a quarterback who can run at all. At all. Like, you know, there's pressure. If, if somebody gets through the line, he just throws the ball away. Like he just throws it into the dirt or he gets sacked. Like he just, he has no ability to evade pressure. And even, even his ability to move around the pocket isn't that good. I mean, like he just, he doesn't have any real pocket awareness and he just doesn't have any foot speed or agility at all. And you should so, make a bad Franken quarterback. That would be bad amazing. stats. It would, oh it would just be all Derek Carr. But well, I mean, it would be. No, that's it, true. We would throw yeah. some Josh Allen in there. Yeah. Some, you know, there's uh, lots of lots of fun trash talking yeah. to Baker Mayfield or something. We, sure. We, I mean, just give uh, you know, give Justin Herbert a little bit of time. I'm sure he'll be on there. You know, <laughs> it'll be great. Any any final thoughts on this game before we we put the Oakland Raiders to bed forever? Yeah, I think that's my final thought. Is just that you know, having grown up with Chiefs and Raiders, Oakland, um, it, it's, it was bizarre at the time and it is still bizarre thinking back on it that this was the last matchup with the Oakland Raiders. Um, I, I just feel like Vegas is not going to be the same. I don't know. Maybe it will, but there's just something, something about the Oakland Raiders that I'll always hate. And I don't know if I have it in me to hate the Vegas Raiders the same way. Maybe I do. Maybe it's because I love Vegas. Maybe that's my my own personal bias there. But um, it's just really fun to 
continually put that team in their place and to have, you know, this was, uh, of course, going into this game, uh, David Carr made his famous predictions on NFL <laughs> Network, and he predicted the final schedule results of both the Chiefs and the Raiders. And is starting with this game. Actually, he started the week before when the Chiefs were on by and the Raiders got we're trashed the by Jets. the Jets. Yes. He gave them a win against the Jets, and then he had them winning out and finishing the year 12-4, and four, I guess that would have been. And... And he had the Chiefs losing all but one game or something. And it was just obviously it turned out the exact opposite. The Chiefs won every game. And the Raiders, the Raiders won, won one, one game, game against the Chargers against the Char- for the rest of the year. So, I mean, it was that was funny. The moment he made that prediction literally <laughs> just went in exact opposite direction. So, good to know that David Carr is getting paid for his expertise on NFL Network. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Oakland Raiders flush this turd down the drain. <laughs> now block the wind while I roast this. <laughs> do you want to talk, uh, talk our mailbag question? We got a mailbag question here this week. We do appreciate you guys. Um, feel free always to slide into our DMS. And if there's something you want us to talk about on the, the show, we'll probably do another mailbag maybe next week. We're probably, probably about due for one, but yeah, it helps us true. get through this part of the schedule where there's not a whole lot going on in the news. And, uh, we appreciate well, you, know, you guys giving us some stuff to talk about. And get get us your questions in while we only have about 300 or so of you that are listening instead of eventually in a couple of weeks here, we're going to be up in the, you know, hundreds of thousands. So, I mean, you're not going to be able to get through the noise. So, yeah, we you're do... going to want to get in before we, <laughs> we really blow up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but this question came to us in our DMs from any down and distance at Justin Rural. And it's a, it's a good question that I've heard several times throughout you know, sports uh, fandom, which is what's your feeling about people that say we in reference to their sports teams. And he asks because sports wouldn't exist without fan support. So I think he wanted to point out that it's not that he has a problem with it. He just wants to know what our feelings are on it. Um, I'll go ahead and start and say that I do not care at all. I think that especially if the job is not a national sports broadcasting, that's like the only time if you're not supposed to be, um, biased, you know, if you're, if you're supposed to have a completely unbiased perspective then yeah, don't, don't go toss and wheeze in there. But I mean, otherwise, if you're just people talking about sports, then we is your team, you know, you're talking about your team. That is absolutely acceptable to say we. I agree. And I, it's funny, we did not talk about this beforehand, but I'm glad that you mentioned the journalistic angle to it. Uh, I was thinking about the only time that I find it to be really unacceptable and extremely grating is when you have, I have a specific person that I'm thinking of and his Mm. name is Scott Zolak. I don't know. I don't know if any of you are familiar (laughs) with Scott Zolak. He works for the new England Patriots, man. He, he is the least professional human being. I, I, well, okay. He's not a professional human being. It's 2020. So, Maybe I shouldn't be so cavalier about tossing around (laughs) those awards, but he literally, there was a point during the playoffs. In fact, when the chiefs were losing to the Titan or to the Texans, Texans. when they were down 24 to nothing where he was calling Travis Kelsey, a pussy on Twitter. And the guy's got like a hundred thousand followers and a blue check Mark. And he's on Patriots radio every week. And when he says, we, I'm like, hold up, Scott Zolak. You're a broadcaster, all right? Mm -hmm. All you do is sit in the booth where your voice can't even be heard by (laughs) the fans or the players on the field. Like, you and I, Taylor, have more of an impact on the game. We have more of a claim to we than Scott Zolak does. That guy's just up there providing his shitty color commentary, you know, behind a plate glass window where, you know, we can't even hear what's going on. So that's the only time it's not acceptable. If you're a fan of the team, you're, you're helping the team, you're going to the stadium, even if you're not going to the stadium, you know, if you're pumping the guys up on Twitter, whatever it is, listen, you're, you know, we're all a part of this. If you, if you really want to be super pedantic about we versus they fine, but you're an idiot. Let's move on. (laughs) I love it. I appreciate the question though, Justin, we, we, uh, and I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to roast Scott Zolak. I didn't know that that's where we were going to end up tonight, but I'm glad we got there. That's how these things go. So, Taylor, I wanted to talk a little bit about – we talked about some of the rule changes in Mutant Football League. 
Mm -hmm. and some of the idiosyncrasies in Blood Bowl created by British people in the 80s who had no idea what American football was. But the NFL this week, in fact, by the time you listen to this episode, they probably will already have voted. They're voting on Thursday on some proposed rule changes. And one of those that has been making the rounds that we, we have to talk about is this idea of replacing is it a full-on replacement for the onside kick? It is an option from how I've from how I've That's heard how it. I understand it too, is that it sort of is billed as a replacement for the onside kick, but it isn't actually replacing the onside kick. It's just sort of an Although addition. if it if it turns out to be anything more than like one percent success rate, it would replace it just by, by strategy. Just because unless you have a Bill O'Brien out there, you know, you're gonna be you're gonna know that that's your play. Yes. Before we get into that, I just want to briefly, I, we have to give a middle finger to the NFL because one of the other proposals <laughs> that was sort of bandied about and shelved, and they officially announced this today, we're recording on Wednesday, was for a sky judge. And they officially announced today that they are not adding any officials for the 2020 season. They have no interest in, you know, the sky Idiots. judge is just... We talked about this back when the XFL was a thing. RIP going out for the XFL. <laughs> we would have talked about this when the AAF was a thing if we had been doing this podcast. RIP. RIP pour one out for the AAF. It's such an obvious thing to do that, like, the fact that they don't want to do it, like, I don't believe that the NFL is fixed, but, like, come on, just, <laughs> just get a sky jump. If, like, if they were trying to convince people that they were not fixed, this is a bad way of doing it. Yeah, yeah it, it's, yeah. A, it's a slam dunk. It's just more um more eyes on the plays more it it made perfect sense the xfl nailed it with their usage of the sky judge it, it's just a and the open mics and the open mics were great i mean the nfl would never ever 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 do never, that. Ever but the xfl years. nailed tons of stuff about their presentation and it really is a shame that it ended up going down in flames. I'm, I'm guessing COVID killed it. I guess I'm not positive about it. I mean, I know that it obviously ended when the stuff came out, but I, I wonder if they have always, if they never had enough money to do a second season or not. I mean, I, I heard at one point that McMahon pulled out enough money for three seasons. That clearly doesn't appear to be <laughs> right. the case since it folded. But point being, NFL, get your shit together. Get a sky judge. Don't have all these dumb plays decided by dumb idiot refs just to have one more dumb idiot ref to the mix what's the worst that could happen yeah for sure so let's talk about this fourth and 15 deal now yeah. we we've teased it before we we kind of talked about it briefly last week because our quarterback patrick mahomes saw tom pelicero's tweet about this and tweeted <laughs> fourth and 15 dot 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 and then the smiling like is it supposed to be like a, a band uh, of sweat there i think yeah it's like, like uh excitement i mean yeah i, mean, yeah, like I a, think it's yeah, a band of sweat yeah. yeah it's like the excited sweaty emoji yeah uh, he tweeted two of those and got you know thirty thousand likes on that because it's, good to, be, it's good to be pat mahomes and mm -hmm. you know um but this this has been i would say whenever this topic comes up and it came up last year. Like this is something that it's not like a new idea that just came out of nowhere, but the, the conversation with this has inevitably involved the chiefs. Like every time, even in the national media, mm -hmm. when you, when, whenever people are talking about this, like part of the conversation is like, like, well, you know, the chiefs are going to like this, but yeah, what they, about the other 31 teams? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny that, you know, it really took the NFL neutering the onside kick for this to become a reality or yes. at least a proposal because before this, you could just say, well, the, the onside kick works because I think most people agreed that with the rules saying that you could line up 15 guys or not 15, you could line up eight guys on one side of the, the ball before the onside kick. It, it made it so you could actually recover it. You could throw enough bodies at the, at the kick that um, it was viable. And now it's no longer viable because you have to split the squad up evenly. Um, I, I have a stat to throw in here, actually. Throw it. Hot off the presses. This is from Ad Stats by Lopez. This, this was tweeted eight minutes ago. So this is, this is fresh research. Super hot. With NFL teams set to vote on a fourth and 15 onside kick alternative, two nuggets. In 104 attempts – in 2018 and 2019, so since they changed the rule, mm -hmm. 104 attempts, not a single team that attempted an expected onside kick came back to win the game. Now, obviously, a lot of teams are, are 
kicking onside kicks. Expected onside kicks is the language that he uses. So obviously, mm-hmm. you know it's coming. That team's already down multiple scores, right? Like this is their only chance to win the game. But mm-hmm. 104, and they were 0 for 104. Between 2003 and 2017, and he does not give the number of attempts, but there were 15 times that a team attempting an, an expected onside kick came okay. back to win the game. 15 times. Okay. So that's a non-zero number. I don't know how many times that's I mean, out of. but that's one per season. Yeah, it, it is so, one I mean, per if, season. If but I mean, the NFL zero, went yeah, O for two seasons, then yeah, yeah then it's that, definitely that's not crazy. It's dropped off. It has dropped. It off has dropped sure. off. It has dropped off. Um, I do remember one game. I I don't have the specifics in front of me, but last year the Falcons against the Saints, um, I believe hit three consecutive onside kicks they still they were down like 40 before they hit the three onside sure, kicks so they that, still wasn't that young ho that was that was exactly that was young hoku so um it was but that was if anything that skews the numbers even more for onside kicks because outside of one freak game where a kicker was in the zone with onside kicks and hit three of them you know i mean that's that's so basically impossible um the the fact that the kick is so hard now does mean that the NFL needs to come up with a solution. I don't know if the solution is going to be a fourth and 15 play. I don't know if that's uh, the correct solution, but I do know that I want to see it, that I want to see it in action that I want, you know, this was where something where if they could implement this during a preseason one year and then revote, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if the NFL's into testing stuff out the way that like some other leagues would be, but um, it just feels like something needs to be done here. And this is a good first step. I like it because, and it's interesting because they actually, they asked Andy about this in his presser last week. And he, of course, like he gave his traditional Not answer. <laughs> yeah. He actually gave a little bit more than he typically does. I don't know if he's, maybe he's a little bit less buttoned up since, you know, he's, <laughs> he did he's at home in his Tom Bahama shirt in his basement, you know, um, and not up at the podium. And uh, he, he did say, he's like, well, you know, I mean, like, obviously we've got the quarterback and our quarterback would like it, but he did say, he was like, you know, the special teams coaches don't like it because I mean, it takes, takes away from special teams, right? Like it is a, it is a play that special teams would be running that goes over to the offense that the offense now is running right. instead. And that to me is what I like about it because obviously we love, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is our quarterback and we love having Patrick Mahomes on our team. <laughs> and so anything that gets the ball back in his hands, I yeah, mean, Mahomes is like the DH. Yeah. And you know, even before they changed the onside kick rule, onside kicks are always going to be pretty random. Yeah. Like there's not, it's not like the difference between the best kicker in the league and the best unit in the league at recovering onside kicks and the worst can't be, but a handful of percentage points across, you know, multiple seasons or something like that. Right. Like it just is a, it is a weird kind of fluky play that has a low possibility of success. It depends a lot on where the ball bounces and, you know, whether the guy's going to, the, the guy on the hands team is going to secure it or not. Like it just is not a very, yeah. it's just a dumb play. Whereas a fourth and 15, obviously that has everything to do with execute. how you scheme it up and how you execute it. Mm-hmm. And that just is a much more interesting way to evolve the game than sticking with something that has been, it has been part of the rules of football since the, the, the beginning of time. And so I understand I understand that that was actually something that Andy brought up as well. You know, he specifically said like, well, this has always been a part of football, but does it have to be though? Yeah. But it was, again, it was always a part of football with the caveated rules of the, the team could stack to one side. Like, you know, they changed football already with the kickoff rules. They already changed that kickoffs were a part of football forever, but they were dangerous. And the NFL decided to, you know, make a player safety decision. And so with that comes the ripple effect of, okay, when you change that play, what does that change? And the onside kick is the main thing that it changed. So, um, you know, I like it. I think you can still do a surprise onside kick. So you can, you know, cause they would do that with the normal lineup of even guys on each side. And then they would just, you know, surprise the other team by kicking it and trying to recover it. So, I mean, it doesn't take away that you still would have had the surprise onside kick by the saints in the super bowl, all that right. type of stuff. It just, 
it just makes a currently basically impossible play into a mechanic that allows for a team to come back. And there should just, it's exciting. It's exciting to have teams come back. It, it's that there's no other way around it. You want to have a team down 14 with two minutes to go feel like, all right, we got to score here, do something miraculous and then score again. And right now they just don't feel like that's possible. And I, I it's just, it was, it's necessary. I'm interested to see how the vote will go. Obviously we're going to drop this on Friday. So the vote will already have gone through. We're hoping for sake of relevance that, <laughs> that it does go through so that what we've talked about um, applies, but even if it doesn't, it's, it's just worth keeping in mind. Do you have those numbers handy for our quarterback in these yes. situations? Do you want to go so, through those so that we yeah, can Yeah, I do. You know. um, for, I looked up a couple different – or two different scenarios. There's, First, a reason, up, there's, there's a reason why our quarterback is doing the laugh sweat emoji. <laughs> yes, right, yes. Like, he excels in these situations unlike the rest of the NFL. So first I looked at third or fourth down and 10 or more yards to go. Third and long, fourth and long. Uh, Mahomes was 48 completions in 88 attempts with 27 first downs in 88 attempts, which mm. is a 30.7% conversion rate. So pretty good. third down and fourth down, he's still got about a three out of 10 chance of, you know, and 10 plus, he's still got a really good chance. And he has a 94.7% quarterback rating. So he's efficient. He's throwing, you know, for the yards, for the touchdowns, he's, he's doing everything. He's the best. All other quarterbacks in these scenarios are 1,824 for 3,052, which is 733 first downs or 23% conversion rate in, compared to Pat's 31 and a 76.8 quarterback rating compared to his 94.7. So hmm. in third and fourth down and 10 or more to go, he is obviously head and shoulders above the rest. That was the rest of the NFL compared to him, but it gets even more hilarious when you increase that yardage. So you know, now we're looking at five more yards, 15 plus. And this is where Pat is superhuman. He is 20 of 33, <laughs> 10 first down. So he converts 60.6% uh, of third and fourth down and 15 plus over half of those. <laughs> and his quarterback rating out of a perfect 158.3 is 135. So he's perfect. He's, he's just when the going gets tough and Pat's got to have something, of course, everyone knows third and 15 includes Wasp from the Super Bowl. But that is, of course. you know, he's done this now. He's converted 10 first downs in those 33 opportunities. So he is extremely good at that. The rest of the NFL, by comparison. So this is the best, this is the best one. He converts 60.6% of those plays. The NFL converts 11.9% of those plays. Well. So, I mean, yeah. there's 631 for 959 with 115 first down. So he is superhuman. They have an 80 quarterback rating and he has a 135. I mean, you know, it's uh sweat smile emoji. It's good to be Pat Mahomes and it's good, it's good to, to be, be the, Chiefs. the Chiefs and it's good to be Chiefs fans. So speaking of Pat Mahomes, I'm going to put in, I'm just going to sneak in a little plug here. If you haven't checked this out yet, Go check out my article from Sports Illustrated this week, our parent website, Arrowhead Report. I did a fun little piece on Pat Mahomes and the power of imagination. Uh, got a good reception, so I appreciate everybody. Yeah, it was great. That. And if you, you have not checked it out, check that out. But where I was actually going to go with this was, speaking of Pat Mahomes, let's talk about another little item that has been in the news. Uh, Pro Football Focus put out a tweet, and a fun little tweet, where they basically said, if you could take – Pat Mahomes or a create a quarterback where you can choose from every other quarterback's abilities except Patrick Mahomes. So take all of his abilities off the board, which one would you choose? And so we figured we would dive into this a little bit. I mean, obviously we're going to both pick Pat, obviously. but just dive into this a little bit and, and kind of break down what this other quarterback, this other hypothetical challenger made up of all of the other quarterbacks in the league, all the other 31 starters and however many guys on the bench and what attributes we would kind of take and where they would kind of stack up. So to start this off, I mean, like, I think a lot of this Taylor is going to depend on how you kind of break this up. Right. Like, because, you know, obviously, you know, arm strength, that's going to impact accuracy and, something like vision is going to impact how good they are as a runner. 
and, you know, pocket presence or whatever awareness, just all these different things, you know, like if you just break it down into, they did another tweet actually, where they, they broke uh, down the ability into strength, accuracy, rushing, and clutch. Those were the mm-hmm. ratings. And it was one of those, you know, build a QB. Five, four, three, two, one. Five, four, three, two, one. Here's your money, you know, go build a QB. And obviously, you know, breaking it into very broad constituent categories, that's going to make it way easier to pick Pat because he's really good at all of those things. <laughs> and if it's only four categories, you can't nitpick quite as much, right? Like no. you can't combine Josh Allen's arm with Drew Brees's arm with Tom Brady's head, like, you know, just all these insane outrageous categories. Right. But I was just looking at, I don't know how you want to do this exactly. I was looking at Madden. Uh, Madden stats. Ratings. They've got some, you know, they've got some nice. They try three <laughs> categories, right? Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Your, your I was going to say, I'm triggered your already. On Madden, you that, <laughs> your thoughts but, on Madden yeah. are well known. Yes, but I mean the the arm they break it down into accuracy and strength, and those really are probably the two main arm categories, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got how how fast can you throw? Where do you put it? Like you like my little. Oh yeah, how fast there? can you throw? How Good fast work can you throw? there? Speed I didn't pitch. Yes. That was uh that was a little under the radar. I didn't quite get the intonation down, so you're excused for. Well, for I was also thinking one. about Pat, so okay. I'm, you know my head's in the clouds here. Yeah, sure, you were a little distracted. So they've <laughs> got you got accuracy and arm strength, and then obviously the the kind of the well, there's a there's a rating called awareness. So you know who knows what that actually really pocket awareness. Is. Yeah, I would think it's mostly pocket awareness. You know, it's obviously funny then when you see like the Madden create a sim kind of deal and you see Pat Mahomes stand in the pocket for six seconds and then he gets no back. kidding. Like, well, don't, I mean, <laughs> we, shouldn't, we shouldn't have gone with this Madden angle. I Let understand. me just ask you this, Taylor. Yes. I, let's, let's just break this down. Like, wh- wh- where are we, sure. where are we going with this Franken sure. QB to challenge? Well, Pat you know, since Pro Football Focus is the initial asker and they do have the five four three two one breakdown i did think it was noteworthy that no quarterback in that list in the 20 quarterback spots that they name shows up more than twice other than mahomes who shows up in the top five in all four (laughs) categories literally no one else shows up more than twice so i mean um you know it already you can tell that he is a complete quarterback unlike anything that the nfl has and probably has ever had it's we should do arm strength and arm accuracy, like you said, for sure. How far, how fast, and then or placement. And then for rushing, there's a lot that goes into being a rushing quarterback. Yeah. It's not just legs. I, I mean, agree. you know, it's decision making, it's awareness, it's speed, it's it's vision, it's all that stuff. But I don't think we can break down every quarterback in the NFL with all those traits. So we might just have to say overall overall rushing quarterback sure and just just say who is the most effective at rushing the football and then uh clutch is is yeah we, it's we not both real. we have yeah. both spoken about clutch a lot i can't There's believe that pro that football focus it. put that yeah in the they're they're bored there's nothing going on i mean they just you know they just threw it together but um other than arm strength arm accuracy and rushing i'm gonna go my my other pillar would be decision making which isn't quite, uh, you know, your head is not really part of arm strength, arm accuracy, or rushing, but your overall mental acuity, your football IQ, so to speak, is something that is probably the number one most important trait of a quarterback. You obviously want all the physical tools, but if you have no idea what to do with it, you have a Jamarcus Russell or someone that just has, yep. just has tools. And then on the other side, you can have someone with, really, really good football IQ and not the physical gifts like an Alex Smith, who turns out to be a really effective NFL quarterback. He's never going to be the top of the top, but he's playable. He's winnable. And, and that is probably where I would break down the four pillars there, arm strength, arm accuracy, rushing and football IQ. Yeah, I think that's fair. So we can go ahead and build off of that. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. I agree with that. I think, um, and I, I just to circled back to something that you were saying, like, it's really hard to, this is what always sort of annoys me about these Franken QBs, as I was alluding to, like, I mean, the smartest QB in the NFL is probably Tom Brady, right? Like, I mean, he's been around for a really long time. He's seen a lot of stuff. Even Tom Brady, Drew Brees, somebody Brian like Fitzpatrick. that. 
but like, or Ryan Fitzpatrick, but like he's the smartest quarterback. Come on. Yeah. Well, that's fair. But I mean, I'm talking about football IQ, but, but you can't put Tom Brady's brain in Lamar Jackson's legs and then like end up with Lamar Jackson, right? Like if you had Tom Brady, if, if Tom Brady went into a machine tomorrow and came out with the Lamar Jackson's body, like (laughs) he wouldn't be rushing for 1300 yards, right? Like he, that's just not how his brain is wired. So I get where you're coming from there. So let's break this down. So, so obviously arm strength, uh, just to go off of, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to trigger you, Man, but just, just, just to go, I'm just going to you know, I mean, they, yeah, they've already got ratings for all this stuff. So I just want to <laughs> like pull up. So arm strength. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right. All right. Look, 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 I get, I get that you want to use EA sports, you know, all knowing judgments on all these players, but let me tell you, Austin, these ratings are shit. They've always been shit. They'll always be shit. They don't even reflect what happens in the game. You can have somebody with – okay, I'm getting too worked up. I can't even – we can't use Matt. We okay. just can't. All right. I'm sorry. All right. That's fine. I got to cut you off. I know that you had them all pulled up for all the different stats and well, stuff, but we just – the Madden ratings mean nothing to me. I, I had them pulled up for almost all the different stats. I actually can't find arm strength stats. Which yeah, was our Madden's first bullshit. Which is our first category. So that's like a very important one. So we're just gonna have to scrap this whole Madden idea completely. Let's do this. Who has the strongest arm? <laughs> so just based on our scout. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, my, the two, the three names that come to my mind are Allen, Rogers, and Stafford. I think those guys. You mean besides are, Pat? Obviously, well, of course. Obviously, besides Pat. Um, you know, Allen is the, the kind of, I guess, prototypical big arm. He doesn't really have the accuracy. He doesn't really have a lot of other quarterback Yeah, he had like traits. one of the lowest uh, deep passing accuracy stats yeah, in the cause NFL. Because he, he just closes his eyes and throws it really far. Rodgers has, you know, the accurate deep arm, but he really can launch it. I mean, I don't know, you know, he's probably lost a, yeah, a he's yard or two on yeah, his long he's ball. He's definitely but, lost a little um but his reputation i guess if we're doing all these guys you know i mean a roger's reputation for having the big arm but all that being said i feel like stafford might be the choice here stafford is kind of you know he he kind of has the best of both worlds there he has the big arm but he's also decently accurate and like if matt stafford doesn't have his arm to hang his hat on i kind of feel bad for the guy so like that's true we might as well tell you know rogers we can we can give Rogers pretty, pretty much any of these other categories out here and, and sound sure, pretty he's smart. He's had a great career and he has, and yeah. he's a great quarterback. So I, my pick for going up against Pat Mahomes arm strength would be Matt Stafford. I'm going to, I'm going to step a little bit outside of the box here and I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Like, no, no, I'm not going to go with Tom Brady. No, that's a good one. But I actually am going to – I'm going to – this is this is turning into a bitty draft. we got to stop. Yeah. we got to stop drafting. Yeah. I'm taking Russell Wilson's arm okay. for the deep Okay. Ball. I don't know that Russell Wilson necessarily has the strongest arm. But we're talking about it is it is impossible to really completely separate just raw arm strength from, like, functional arm strength, right? And I think – Russell Wilson has very functional arm strength. Like, I mean, he, he can throw off platform and he can throw it far and he can throw it, you know, on the run and he can throw it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think just in terms of the functional arm strength there, I think the functional arm strength there is extremely high. Even if, you know, if you lined them up on a radar gun and they went to speed pitch, how Mm -hmm. fast can you throw? (laughs) I don't know that he would necessarily win that. I'm sure he would do well. But that's who I would take for that. So now we're into accuracy. Uh-huh. And obviously here, you know, just in terms of raw completion percentage, you know, Pat's never going to be – he's been right at 60. He takes too many shots. Completion percentage. Exactly. But when you watch him play, mm-hmm. I mean, the the ability for him to just – and he also takes chances too. I mean, like, right. you know, he'll he'll fit the ball into a keyhole, and he will do that with regularity. Um, I mean, I think his accuracy is almost underrated, uh, which is part of the reason why this is a fun discussion, that it even is a discussion that we can be having. (laughs) But I think there's an obvious answer here, and that's Drew Brees. Of course. um, I do think that their play styles 
just as you were talking about. So Pat, if I'm in the mind of Pat Mahomes, which I wish one day to be, <laughs> um, he knows on first and 10 or, you know, early down, insert early down, that if he misses a home run ball, that he's still going to be able to come back and make something happen and move the chains. So he, he has this, the confidence to go for the really low percentage but high reward shots. Sure. Because he knows that he's still capable of moving the football and he doesn't need to dink and duck. So whereas Drew Brees, in my opinion, has a ton of those completion percentage numbers because he doesn't take a ton of shots. I agree. He, I agree. He, he's great in the intermediate and the short game. I mean, obviously because he has the historic completion percentage numbers. But I think that when you look at raw ball, ball placement, like you were talking about, yeah, I, I don't think anyone does it better than Pat. I don't, and maybe we go, we think about Aaron Rodgers here too. Yeah. He tends to put it exactly where the receiver's back shoulder to a, you know, to a T and he's, he's extremely good at that. But um, yeah, I think Breeze is kind of your traditional accuracy king. But give me Pat on that for sure. That's a good that's a good point though. I mean, his accuracy statistics are largely a function, not completely, but I mean they certainly are buoyed by the fact by by what he does as a quarterback. And that mm-hmm. what he does as a quarterback is partly because of what his arm is. And at this stage of his career, obviously, like he can't he can't take the shots that Pat can take and he can't no. fit the ball into the windows that Pat can fit it into. I think Rogers is a good one to have in the conversation there. Um Matt Ryan maybe would be another one that would be kind sure. of sneaky. And we already yeah. mentioned Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Wilson, I think would be in contention for all of these as well. Yeah. Another one with, with functional, you know, arm accuracy, even though he plays in a system that unlike Drew Brees and even unlike Pat, to some extent, you know, doesn't really set him up with a lot of easy throws, but man, I, I mean, there are games where he's just dropping Russell's absolute baller. dimes left and right. So I think those are those are all the guys that we kind of have in in the conversation there. So we had basically pocket awareness and rushing. Those were the other two that we wanted to talk about, right? Uh, yeah, I think I called the other one football IQ, but sure, same, football IQ, yeah. same, yeah, like smart. You know, your your head basically. So you know, I, I guess we've got to give TB his due. <laughs> you know. And, and and as far as your headspace goes, um, having a guy that's been in nine Super Bowls and won six of them and played for twenty years, blah 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 blah. Tom Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Tom is gonna be is gonna be a good choice there for sure. I mean, you know, even if he's just soaking up Belichick and Josh McDaniels and whoever else he's worked with over the years, even if he's just kind of soaking that in, he's still soaked it in for 20 years. He's soaked it in for a really long time. He's extremely old. What's amazing to me about this one is that we can even put Pat in the same conversation after two years. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but really like, I mean, we're talking about three years in the NFL, two as a starter, basically two and a half years, uh, almost three years as a quarterback in college, and then two two years as a quarterback in high school because he didn't get to play quarterback until he was a junior in high school. Right. So, I mean, we're talking about less than 10 years total mm-hmm. that he's been playing the position. And here he is in the conversation with a guy who's been doing it for 20 years. And I, at the I mean, professional level, 20 years at the professional level, 20 years, yeah. let alone all the years that he's been playing quarterback before that. I mean, I'm sure Tom Brady was playing quarterback on his peewee teams and everything like that. You know, when Pat was out dropping bombs in little league or whatever he was doing, um, you know, there's obviously, there's a lot of different ways we can kind of break this down and, um, I'll give myself a little bit of a plug. I'm, I'm doing a part two on my Pat Mahomes piece. Part one was imagination. Part two is going to be knowledge. Mm-hmm. Some, some stats that kind of jump out about Pat's progression, just in terms of his football IQ. Uh, he, he had the second lowest sack percentage in the NFL this past year. That's good. 3.4%. Uh, number one was Drew Brees, by the way. So another guy, obviously that would be, would be in contention there. And then, I was looking at kind of just, you know, breaking down some different splits and things like that to see kind of, you know, where I could see maybe some improvements 
some strides that he'd made from year one to year two. And I was looking at his interceptions. And in his first season, his first season plus his first game in 2017, he's thrown 20 interceptions in his career, including the playoffs. And of those 20 interceptions, nine of those have come on first down. So that's 45% of all of his interceptions have come on first down. Since 2018, so that would just be the 2019 season plus the playoffs, which is a total of seven interceptions. He's thrown one interception on first down. And that interception was against the Texans. was bullshit. Where there should have been a flag. Okay? So since the beginning of the 2019 season, so all the way through the 2019 season, including the playoffs, he has not thrown a single interception on first down. And when you think about – you know, like you were saying earlier, you know, talking about kind of how he approaches the game, you know, throwing interceptions on first down, there's really no excuse for doing that. You, you have to either make a mistake or you have to force a throw. And that is the down when you absolutely should not be doing that, right? Like yep. you should not be throwing an interceptable ball on first down, whether it's because you got tricked or whatever, you made a bad throw, whatever it is, because you have two more downs, even potentially three more downs to, to pick up the first down. So as a essentially a first year starter, he threw eight picks on first down out of the 12 picks that he threw that season. Mm-hmm. And then this year he threw basically none, basically if none. You, if you want to count that, then, and the one against the Texans, he made the right read and he yeah. knew that there should have been a flag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. the he officials picked the flag up. Like, you know, he, he has made, he's learned to fight another down. He has. Right? And he's just, the maturity is basically impossible. At this it, stage is, it is impossible. It is impossible. It's crazy. So, so we're putting Tom Brady's brain or Drew Brees' brain up against Pat Mahomes. But even then, like we've talked about, obviously it's so hard to break these things into their constituent parts. Mm-hmm. But like Drew Brees at this stage of his career, and even Tom Brady at this stage of his career, those guys are super smart. They've been mm-hmm. in a really long time. They've seen pretty much every defense ever. They're not going to get fooled very often. Mm-hmm. But also, they're not gonna. They just, they're not going to come up with the stuff that Pat comes up with, right? This no. is this is sort of another retroactive plug for my piece this week about his imagination. But, like, they could never conceive of some of the throws that Pat no. Mahomes conceived. And you know how we know that? Because we've watched him play for 20 years and they've never done it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, That's like, exactly even right. when they were at their physical best, they never did this stuff. Exactly. Exactly right. It's almost like, I mean, we talked about this when Pat was first coming up, I mean, after his first start at Mile High. And we kind of basically said, like, you know, you had uh, Brett Favre, and people kept comparing him to Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. Brett Favre was great, but Brett Favre did a lot of stupid stuff. He was and, too imaginative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Aaron Rodgers came along, and Aaron Rodgers was like, okay, well, what if I do some cool stuff that Brett Favre is doing, but I also, mm-hmm. like, don't throw interceptions? Yeah. And then Pat's like, well, what if I do the cool stuff that Brett Favre is doing and I don't throw interceptions, but I also don't ever get sacked and I don't turn the ball over like ever. Like that would be pretty cool. Right. Right. And that's kind of where we're at with Pat. So that's good. Three stage improvement between Favre to Rogers to Pat. It's the natural evolution. We need a RJ or somebody to do like one of those uh, caveman (laughs) caveman. And we'll have like Brett Favre. Yeah. Brett Favre dropping back and then Rogers cocking his arm and then Pat, you know, finishing the throw. If any of our chiefs artists, RJ, Corey, whoever wants to illustrate that and put it down, I will absolutely buy one of those prints. I will Mm -hmm. put it up in my office props, by the way, if the Neanderthal is John Elway. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god we oh, have to bingo blackout baby somebody's got to do this now so the final category that we were going to do for our frank and qb is rushing yeah. i mean there's an obvious choice here but just for the sake of argument let's kind of let's kind of talk about the lamar jackson thing lamar is so interesting because the offense is designed for him to run which yes. clearly they leaned into his strengths i'm not saying that was that's any knock against him but he runs a rushing off rushing quarterback offense. And these other guys, anyone else basically you can think of that's an effective running quarterback is making something where something isn't always there. These aren't a lot of designed runs for any of these other guys. These are not quarterback draws. Cam did a lot of designed running, but it's a lot of escapability type running. And that's where it's extremely dangerous because if you're running from the start, from the moment you snap the ball, 
you're a running back. I don't care how good you are at running. You're still a running back. You're, you're the only, your only threat is to run. You might be really good at it, but you're only as valuable as a good running back would be. But if you're a quarterback that drops back, that looks for all of your options, and then when all of your options are covered, you can take off and get a first down, that is infinitely, backbreakingly more effective than a running quarterback. So even though Lamar is the best running quarterback that football's ever seen, I don't know if I necessarily want his type of running for a Franken quarterback. I think I want Deshaun Watson because I think Watson has the athleticism of Lamar, but he, he kind of gets there differently. He can escape just as easily as, as Lamar can, but he, he just does it in a way that impresses me more from a quarterback perspective. And, and I, I just, gun to my head if I had to pick a rushing quarterback skill set I want Deshaun Watson you know it's hard because you almost have to roll it back into the football IQ argument I mean the issue with Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson eats like an outrageous number of sacks because he holds onto the ball forever and and Lamar doesn't isn't quite as bad in that category Lamar finished seventh in the NFL and sack percentage this year at 5.4%. Now Powell is at 3.4%. Right. Uh, Lamar took 23 sacks on 401 attempts and Pat took 17 on <laughs> 484. Nice. Uh, so he actually did have more pass attempts, but his sack percentage was two percentage points lower than Lamar. I, I think, I mean, it gets back to this, you know, I definitely don't, I don't want my quarterback's first instinct to be, to run the ball. I agree. And sure. that is more of a mental thing. If, if we can separate, you know, the fact that I don't want him to run, that I want him to choose not to run. <laughs> quote your favorite Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld. I choose not to run. Thank I want him that. to choose not to run, but if he is going to run, I mean, you can't do too much better than Lamar. He obviously he has. And, and Deshaun too is right up there. Both great runners, just incredibly agile, obviously like that, stupid Lamar's put some runs on the highlight reel that are just, and you know, cam at his, in his prime MVP cam, yeah. Different kind of runner than Lamar because he's just a lot more physical. And that's probably why he's basically out of the league, you know, at this point, (laughs) but he certainly has a claim to that as well. Um, But, but any of those guys would be in the conversation. So here we are. It's decision time, Taylor. Are you taking the Franken QB? (laughs) which has the arm strength of like a Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, accuracy is like a Drew Brees, maybe a Russell Wilson, you know, kind of a Matt Ryan type. You've got the football IQ of a Brady, a Brees, and then the rushing ability of like a Watson or a Jackson. Are you taking that guy or are you taking our guy? I'm taking the best goddamn quarterback the world has ever known, Patrick LeVon Mahomes II. Me too. Mm-hmm. 